Hey, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Santa needs help. That's the first of the last three lines. The next two lines, then how the reindeer loved him, and they shouted out with glee. Say it with me. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you will. You'll go down in history. We come to the lyrics of this song, and we assume that between Santa's request and the Rudolph's celebration, Rudolph said, sure, I can do that. But that's not actually what the song says. What happens is Santa says, we really need you to fly by sleigh because we're not going to make it without you. And then the other reindeer go, yeah, yeah, you really should do that. Rudolph, you'll go down in history if you do it. You'll go down in history, end of song. And we don't know what happens. We don't know whether he actually flew the sleigh or not. You might be thinking, well, the claymation movie, uh, the books. Of course he did. But if you're just listening to the lyrics of the song, you don't know. And we assume that he did. And my theory goes like this. He did it. He said, well, 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 look who comes crawling back. Look, it's the people that made fun of my shiny red nose. Oh, but now it's an asset? Now it's something that you want to save Christmas? Well, guess what? Have fun out there in the fog. I'm out of here. That's what I think happened. And some of you, I can tell by the way you're shaking your head like, no, no, Jacob, you're, you're rewriting history here. I'm just pointing out, you come to this song with some assumptions that are not actually there. In the same way, we sometimes come to scripture with assumptions about the fact that the things that are offered, the wisdom that's given, will actually be heeded. And I'm a little bit cynical, I'll admit, but uh, that's not always the case. I think about Jesus and the advice that he gave to his disciples. They walked with him, they talked with him, they ate with him, they witnessed his miracles. Them, more than anybody else, should be able to say, like, yes, the wisdom from heaven is right here in this man. We're going to take notes and we're going to do everything he says. But I wonder if they actually did. Luke 14 says, Jesus, uh, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say, uh, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But here's what you do. When you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all of those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is good wisdom from Jesus. This is good advice that we should take, that they should have taken. And you know, if you're studying Proverbs, it sounds a lot like Proverbs 25, 6 and 7. Do not exalt yourself in the king's presence, and do not claim a place among his great men. It is better for him to say to you, come up here, than for him to humiliate you before his nobles. Jesus knew the wisdom tradition. He knew the wisdom that came from heaven, and he was giving it to his disciples. And we assume that they did. But I wonder if they actually did that the next time they were invited to a wedding banquet. Or maybe they just did what they always did. Maybe they just went with the flow of what culture told you to do. And if there's an empty seat of honor, well, you better jump in that seat. Then people will think you're somebody. I wonder if any of Jesus' disciples had to learn that lesson the hard way. 
I wonder if any of them were humiliated like Jesus warned them they would be when they took the seat of honor and someone said, no, 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 no. You sit over here. This other guy is going to rise to this position of accolades and acclaim. I wonder in the same way if when we hear the wisdom from Proverbs, the wisdom from Jesus, we sometimes go like, yeah, that's, that's good wisdom. But do we actually go and do it? Or is that a tall order for us? being raised in a culture that sometimes does not agree with the wisdom of the Proverbs. That's what I want us to focus on this morning. That's why I had Greg ask you as we were hearing this, the, the Proverbs, what is this saying? But also, does my life demonstrate that I actually believe that it's wise and that it's worth doing? So I'm going to read some more of these better sayings. This is better than this. And I want you to listen to them. I want you to soak them up a little bit. These ones are all, I, I gathered all the ones that are about wealth, and we're going to focus on that. What does our culture say about wealth, and what does Proverbs have to say about wealth and the accumulation of wealth? Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than the fattened calf with hatred. Better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight than silver. Better the poor whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse. Anybody want to amen this wisdom? Amen. Let me hear you. Amen. You think this is good advice? Say amen. amen. Does anybody want to say, not really? <laughs> Does anybody want to be honest and, and, and say what you're thinking, which is, that's fine for church, but uh, I'm not going to go and live that out. That's not how things work. We may... Subscribe to some non-biblical proverbs, like the one that you guys might be familiar with that says, the best things in life are free, sure, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I need money. <laughs> money don't get everything, it's true, but what it don't get, I can't use. I need money. Have you heard that song? Yes. It's got a beat. You can dance to it. That one, we've, been, we've heard that one most of our lives. A lot of people subscribe to that philosophy. Which, the better than proverb sayings or the, uh, the Beatles version of uh, money, parentheses, that's what I want, has shaped our society, has shaped our mindset about what we ought to be doing with our time and our days and our money. Which one of these philosophies is most reflected in how we live our lives? That's a question that I want us to ask this morning. The better sayings in Proverbs are pretty simple, and you've already picked up on the flow of how they go, if you've heard as many as we've read so far. This is better than that. It is ancient advice on which things in life the Lord thinks we should prioritize. If you come to a crossroads and you have to pick a direction, this direction or this direction, Proverbs is telling us, pick the one that leads to humility. Even if this one looks tempting, pick the road that leads to humility. Gain patience over wealth, if those are your two choices. 
Go in the direction that leads to peace and harmony, even if you end up having it in a smaller house. You need to prioritize your integrity and your relationships, even if it means having less in your bank account. And when we read them together, there's a lot of in us that makes us want to say amen with our voices. But my question is, do we actually amen them with our choices? When we hear God's wisdom saying, you should choose this, do we actually choose it? When the disciples heard Jesus saying, you should do this next time you're at a wedding banquet, do they actually do it? When Santa and the reindeer come to Rudolph and say, you should fly the sleigh, did he do it or did he stick it to him? Because he could. We make some pretty big assumptions in our life. And I think our culture has tried to ingrain in us some assumptions that the scriptures would not necessarily agree with. Assumptions like feasting is always better than fasting. Assumptions like power is always better than being oppressed. Being right is always better than giving someone an undeserved apology. These things are assumed. We assume that results are better than relationships and that having money is always, always better than being poor. And the wisdom of Proverbs knows about that worldview and says, you can go down that road if you want. You are free to make your own kind of choices. You can. But let me just tell you, from the wisdom of my experience, it's not going to turn out like you think. You're going to reap what you sow, but you got to be aware of what you're sowing. Proverbs asks us to trust its wisdom. And sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. But we're up against a lot because of the assumptions that we were all raised on. Assumptions that, we, that have a beat and that we can dance to. In 2019, the movie that won Best Picture, of all the movies that came out that year, the Best Picture Award went to a movie called Parasite. And I'm guessing a lot of you haven't seen the movie. One, uh, it's entirely in Korean, so if you don't know Korean, you have to read the subtitles throughout the whole movie. Not a big, uh, big draw for how I want to spend my Saturday evenings. Um, but it's also kind of a hard movie to watch. It's, it's a heartbreaking story about a poor family in the country of Korea, and it's about them trying to use all of their energy and efforts to climb the social ladder and to infiltrate wealthy society. The dad uh, becomes a limo driver for a wealthy family. The mom becomes a housekeeper in their home. And oh, no, we have some rich friends. Maybe we have some rich benefits and some amenities at our disposal. The two teenage children become tutors for the wealthy family's kids. And they figure, hey, we're getting our foot in the door. We're getting into the wealthy society that we've always coveted. But as the story unfolds, you see that the closer they get to high society, the more their relationships with each other break apart. And it's not what they thought it was going to be. And it's a heartbreaking movie as you watch the whole thing. And then you go back to the beginning and see it's a poor family. Go back to that picture. They're just sitting on the floor of their, their little apartment. They don't have any space. They don't have any money. They're folding pizza boxes for pennies because that's the only jobs that they can get. But they're together. And they have each other. And they work together. And they're close with each other. And they have each other's backs. And they don't realize what a gift it is until it's too late and they've thrown it all away. It's tragic and it's hard to watch. And like Darren McRandall has told me, uh, Jacob, you don't make good movie recommendations. All the movies you like are dark and like terrible with bad value. So like, don't, don't watch it if you want 
to have to really suffer through something. But I mention it because this movie is basically just a two-hour version of one of the better sayings that we heard earlier. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than the whole fattened calf with hatred. It's a warning for us. Will we listen? Proverbs is, is kind of strange because it's ancient wisdom that comes to us from the past, but it plays as like a messenger from the future. If, if you could have such a thing. If someone could time travel back from the future and tell us, hey, you know the road you're going down? It's not a good road. And you're like, of course it is. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm on my way to the goals that I've set. And it comes back and it says, no, it's not going to turn out like you think. You need to rethink some of these things because I've seen where the future leads. It's not going to pay off. That's what Proverbs tells us. It teaches us God's better way. And Jesus as well teaches us God's better way. My only question this morning for us is, will we listen? Do we actually believe it? I will admit that I personally have a hard time listening, not just not listening, I listen all the time, putting to practice good wisdom from Scripture in my life. And maybe you struggle with that as well. I think we're all trying, but then we turn around and go, oh, I, I kind of dropped the ball on that one. Ugh, I'm going to have to try again. I hear the wisdom of Proverbs. I hear the wisdom of Christ, but I don't always apply it in my life. Here's a weird thing. I don't even sometimes take my own advice. I, I give myself wisdom, and I say, here's what you ought to do, Jacob. I don't stick with it. And it, how, how you have not really uh, lived up to your uh, New Year's resolution <laughs> you set like three weeks ago. I'm going to do this every day. Well, maybe every other day. Uh, maybe not at all. That's me. I, I got to admit, like over the Christmas break, I was just kind of like settling in. There was, there was definitely evenings where I would eat too much, or I would drink too much, I would stay up too late, or I would binge watch too much of something. And then I'd wake up the next morning and I would go, oh, that was such a waste. I feel gross. And I'd, I'd literally take out paper and pen and I'd write notes to myself. Jacob, don't do that anymore. <laughs> That's not going to end the way you want. Just next time you think about doing that, don't do it. You got this, bro. You can do it. Sincerely, Jacob M. Now, And I'd see those notes the next day, but there's all this chocolate left over. What are we going to do with it? There's all this free time I have. There's all this temptation in the house. I'm so stressed, I just need a release. And I'm right back to doing it again. Anybody want to make me feel not so lonely and say, yeah, yeah I'd do that too? Maybe you do. It's uh, something that we're all working on. And as I think about the fact that I don't even take my own advice, having been down that road even a previous day, I'm reminded of a proverb that you guys, if you're reading a proverb chapter a day, you're going to see this later on this week. It goes, as a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I'm a dog who returns to his vomit. How do you like that? Maybe this time it'll be good. Oh, nope. Ugh. Maybe this time. Oh, nope. Maybe now. Oh, no. Ugh. And I can, I'll take a lot of that responsibility on and say like, yeah, I've got some, some discipline issues. I've got some things that I want to work on and I'm trying to work on them. But I also want to point out to any of us who are struggling with this or just struggling to, to hear what Christ tells us we ought to do and doesn't do it consistently, there's a reason for that. 
It's because of our culture. It is consistently telling us to be dissatisfied with what we have. I mean, that's the whole purpose of advertising, right? You don't have this? What's your problem? You need to get this. This will make you happy, or it will make you happier. You need to upgrade. You need to have more. You need to spend more. You need to buy more. Look at all these happy people succeeding by using our product. And you guys might be too smart for that and go, yeah, I know what advertising is, but it's hard to escape. And social media has taken advertising and putting it right in our faces. So you can be in the comfort and the contentment of your own home and scroll through picture after picture of people who are living the good life and who are having more fun than you and are more fulfilled and are more satisfied. And it's going to force you to ask yourself, what am I doing wrong? What am I missing out on? It makes you anxious. And it, I got I to gotta do more. I got to be more. I got to spend more. I got to buy more. I got to take more. And Proverbs is telling us, what if that's not true? What if those are just assumptions that a lot of people in our culture are living by? What if we can look past that and say, if culture is telling us that you constantly need to be looking over the fence to see what other people have and how you can get it too, Proverbs is saying, hold on, hold on. Why don't you just look on your own side of the fence and acknowledge what you do have. Acknowledge what you can have that God has already put in front of you through Christ. And the values that are listed in these better sayings and proverbs that we hear is what's prescribed. It's take this road and not that road. You can have humility. You can have a life that is satisfying with simplicity. You can gain a reputation for honesty. You can have the fear of the Lord, that, that, that good sense, that good reverence and respect for what God's version of good and evil is what if I already have what I need? What if the goals that are really worth achieving aren't so complicated and they aren't so far away? A follower of Jesus who didn't take his, he, he was misguided for a long time. And then he got his act together. And then he dove headfirst into the pool and said, I'm going to give my whole life to Christ. And he suffered a lot for it. He left us this wisdom that maybe we can hear today. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. More good wisdom. I hope that we hear it. I hope that we can live it. I hope that Rudolph took the high road, and did actually fly Santa's sleigh on that foggy Christmas Eve. I hope so. I don't think so. But I hope he did. And I hope that Jesus' disciples, the next time they were at a wedding banquet, remembered and said, yeah, you know what? Let's take the servant's seat. Let's, let's give up our seat for somebody else. And I hope personally to make better choices for my own personal health in 2022. I hope families in our congregation, in our community, realize what a blessing they have with their relationships with one another and not be looking past each other, constantly trying to get more, gain more, have more. I hope they don't end up like the family in the movie Parasite. And I hope that we as a congregation can listen carefully, but not just take in these proverbs and these, this wisdom from Scripture, but I hope that we can actually put it into action in our lives. 
I uh, appreciate you guys going on this journey with me. We're going to do one more week in Proverbs next Sunday. Uh, some people have mentioned, man, Proverbs is great, but we kind of read them too fast. There's too many at a time. You could just take one proverb and you could just dwell in it all day long. You could just sit and soak it up. We're going to do that next Sunday. We're going to take a deep dive in just one verse. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I want to invite you, I invite the praise team to come back up here and prepare to lead us in a song, which is a, is a pledge that we make before God to say, God, we're not going to have any other gods before you, whether it's wealth or desire or overachieving or just an anxiety-driven existence. God, we want you to be number one in our life. So we're going to listen and we're going to dedicate ourselves to you. This is a wonderful song uh, that we can pledge together. So please uh, stand. I'm going to close this out in prayer and then we'll sing this song together. Lord, thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for this opportunity to hear it together. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are dwelling in the Proverbs and those who will dwell in the Proverbs. Thank you for, for putting these, these, uh, these ideas in our brain. And I pray that they can be a louder voice than the voices of our culture that are trying to give us advice that's not quite as good. We believe that uh, true wisdom comes from you. We believe that Jesus is your son, that he is the embodiment of you and your goodness, your love, and your wisdom. So give us ears to hear, and then give us feet to go. Give us determinations to commit. Give us courage to make changes in our lives where they need to be changed. Uh, and when we fail, we, we thank you, and we praise you for the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Um, and I thank you, lastly, for this body uh, of friends and mentors, brothers and sisters, old and young, and thank you that we get to do this journey together, to encourage each other, to hold each other accountable, to lift each other up. Uh, it's a blessing. What you've came up with in the church is truly a beautiful thing, and we want it to be uh, pleasing to you in every way. So we lift up this prayer, this request before you, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.